This show was first broadcast on Free FM, Hamilton, New Zealand's community access media organisation. For more information on our lineup of shows and the role we play in the media, visit freefm.org.nz. This is Peter and Tricia welcoming you today to Great News and God's Views, a half-hour weekly broadcast on Free FM 89.0 independent community media. Today's worship theme, God's revealed to us most completely in Jesus Christ. Touched by an Angel One of the most surprising television hits during the 1995-96 season was entitled Touched by an Angel. This successful show is about the adventures of three angels in the daily lives of ordinary people. A team of two women angels and the occasional appearance of another angel, a man, whose function is to escort people to their heavenly home after death. Certainly, in this modern age of science and high technology, stories about angels seem an improbable source of television ratings. Yet there's a powerful attraction in these charming stories of angels interacting with humans. We are interested in the blessings, the resolutions of difficulties, and the happy experiences that often result from the interactions in these stories. The passage from the Old Testament, which we for today, is similarly improbable and difficult. It tells the three stages, two of the angels, arriving at Abraham's location in the desert. They are received by this great man of faith with typical Middle Eastern hospitality. While the passage identifies one of the visitors as the Lord, Abraham does not apparently know this. We read from Genesis chapter 8, beginning at verse 1. And the Lord appeared unto him in the plains of Mamre, and he sat in the tent door in the heat of the day. And he lifted up his eyes and looked, and lo, three men stood by him. And when he saw them, he ran to meet them from the tent door and bowed himself toward the ground. And said, My Lord, if now I have found favour in thy sight, pass not away, I pray thee, from thy servant. Let a little water, I pray you, be fetched, and wash your feet, and rest yourselves under the tree. And I will fetch a morsel of bread, and comfort ye your hearts. After that ye shall pass on, for therefore are ye come to your servant. And they said, So do as thou hast said. And Abraham hastened unto the tent, unto Sarah, and said, Make ready quickly three measures of fine meal, knead it and make cakes upon the hearth. And Abraham ran unto the herd, and fetched a calf tender and good, and gave it unto a young man, and he hasted to dress it. And he took butter and milk, and the calf which he dressed, and set it before them, and he stood by them under the tree, and they did eat. And they said unto him, Where is Sarah thy wife? And he said, Behold, in the tent. And he said, I will certainly return unto thee according to the time of life, and lo, Sarah thy wife shall have a son. What meaning might this unusual count hold for us? It appears the key messages here is the same issue of hospitality and the blessings that follow from it. Christians would do well to follow the example of Abraham in how they receive guests and strangers. One never knows what may be the results of such kindness and generosity. We're called to hospitality. 
A theme found throughout the Bible is the concept of hospitality and service to others, especially travellers and strangers. Abraham gives his unknown guests the best he has to offer. He washes their feet, symbols of servanthood. He has his wife, Sarah, make three loaves of bread, the staple of any meal. He even has a choice calf selected from the main course, accompanied by curds and milk and other side dishes. It is a meal fit for a king. There is no suggestion that Abraham expects any reward for his generosity. He does it out of duty and respect for his fellow man. In our increasingly impersonal and isolated lifestyles, Abraham's example challenges us to more openness with others. Would that our churches and our members were more generous with the strangers at our doors. Perhaps it would open up new ways to witness to the love of Christ. True hospitality may open a door for blessing. When Abraham responds to an inquiry about his wife, the one identified as the Lord pronounces a, a great blessing by this time next year, the barren couple will have a son. This will be the fulfillment of an earlier promise of God that Abraham will be the father of many. How many times have we in our failure to offer Christian hospitality and welcome to others missed the opportunity to be blessed in some way in return? This is not to say that we give such hospitality simply in order to get something in return. That will put a much different meaning to our actions. But we cannot know when or how God might in some way touch our lives or the lives of those we love as a result of such generosity. As Hebrews 13.2 reminds us, Be not forgetful to entertain strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Frankly, I wouldn't want to miss such opportunity in my own life to be touched by an angel or two. How about you? Our first music today, Count Your Blessings, written by John Oatman, Jr., 1856 to 1922, who wrote over 200 songs and hymns every year for over 20 years, making a total of over 5,000. He would only accept a fee of $1 for each one that he wrote. Count your blessings.
In Job 40, in response to Job's questioning of God's wisdom, God sets out his credentials and challenges Job to answer a 77-question creation science exam. He says to Job, Brace yourself like a man. I will question you, and you shall answer me. The exam covers the breadth of God's creative power, mentioning the wonders of many animals that we are familiar with, such as the lion, raven, deer, ox, and ostrich. Finally, there is Leviathan, a terrifying aquatic creature with an impenetrable hide impervious to harpoons, fearsome teeth, and a back covered in rows of shields. It even has firebrands streaming from its mouth and smoke from its nostrils. Though this may sound mythological to us, Job recognized it as a real creature. Indeed, one candidate from the fossil record is Sarcosuchus, a 12-meter or 40-foot monster with an unusual bulbous cavity at the end of its snout that could conceivably have been used for mixing fire-generating chemicals. To find out more from Creation Ministries International, visit our website, creation.com. You are listening to Great News and God's Views on Free FM 89.0 Independent Community Media. For copyright reasons, we can no longer broadcast from the Unshackled series of programs. These are recreations of true stories of how people from differing backgrounds with different problems such as drugs, alcohol or living on the streets have come to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ and so come to salvation. They are, however, available to be downloaded by googling Unshackled and following the prompts. We continue with In the Arms of Sweet Deliverance by Pensacola Christian College. This Christian college in Florida, USA has been running for approximately 35 years. Many the days my path is rough, many the days I wonder what to do. Sweet deliverance, I shall rest. 
You are listening to Great News and God's Views on Free FM 89.0 Independent Community Media. 89.0 is live streamed from freefm.org.nz or tune in and now on Amazon Echo devices using the Free FM 89 Alexa skill. We recently asked you to pray for Azia Bibi, a Christian in Pakistan who was recently acquitted after eight years in prison of the crime of blasphemy. Azia Bibi has now been released from prison and for her safety is now residing in an undisclosed location in Pakistan. Multiple Western countries have offered Asia asylum, including Canada, which is currently in the process of offering asylum. Meanwhile, the question as to whether Asia is going to be allowed to leave the country is uncertain. The Pakistani government previously made a deal with Islamic protesters, stating that it would, they would start the process of having her name added to a no-fly list, which would stop her exiting the country. It is unknown, however, if the government can achieve this. A government official in recent days has stated that the government cannot stop her exiting the country as she has been acquitted. Therefore, the near future for Asia is unknown to us. However, please join us in continuing to pray for her. Some prayer points are as follows. Pray that God will protect Asia safely from violent extremists seeking to enforce the death penalty themselves. Pray that the government would allow and facilitate her exit into a safe country where she will not have her life threatened. Pray for her persecutors that they may come to see Christ. We continue with a continuation of our worship theme today. God is revealed most completely in Jesus Christ. God in Christ and Christ in us. A friend's teenage son recently became attracted to a girl in his math class. He asked him what about her appeal to him most. He answered, her mum does, she's a knockout. He explained that as he figured it, given in a few years, his classmate will grow into the lovely likeness of her mother. His father countered, but son, what if she grows up to look like her dad? He hadn't considered that. Actually, his father was pleased to see his son thinking analytically. He deduced that the daughter was more or less the incarnate image of her mother. In Colossians, Paul figures the same way. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. Paul writes of the incarnation, William Barclay put it this way, all we can know of God is what we see in Jesus Christ. Though Paul's Christology was not quite that exhaustive, taking into account God's self-revelation through the law and the prophets, he nonetheless agrees that Jesus is the clearest photo of God available to any of us. We read from Colossians chapter 1, beginning of verse 15. Who is the image of the invisible God? the firstborn of every creature. For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things and by him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning of the firstborn from the dead, and that in all things he might have the preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell, 
and having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself. By him, I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. And you that were sometimes alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled. In the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. If ye continue in the faith grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel, which ye have heard and which was preached unto every creature which is under heaven, whereof I, Paul, am made a minister, who now rejoice in my sufferings for you, and fill up that which is behind of the affliction of Christ in my flesh for his body's sake, which is the church, whereof I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God, which is given to me for you, to fulfill the word of God. Even the mystery which has been hidden from ages and from generations, but now is made manifest to his saints, to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory, whom we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom, that we may present every man perfect in Jesus Christ. This, in our search to know what God is like, we need simply to consult what Jesus was like in his earthly ministry. His grace for sinners, his joy in the presence of children, his healing compassion for those who hurt, his love for the lonely, left out or left behind, his impatience toward those pharisaical sorts who were inflexible and intolerant, his tendency to offer fresh starts and second chances. In all these and in countless other ways, we're given a glimpse of the very heart of the Creator. He is the image of the invisible God. Additionally, Paul identifies Jesus as the glue that binds all things together. He is before all things, and in him all things consist. In verse 24 refers to his body, that is the church. The phrase from which earlier theologians derived their theology of extended incarnation challenges churches to do what Jesus did. Indeed, the word Christian implies the same challenge, for it literally means little Christ. If we are Christian, then by definition we do what Christ did. And what might that be? Paul says we are to be blameless and irreproachable, to continue in the faith stable and steadfast. In short, our witness to the world is to be Christ-like, blameless and irreproachable, stable and steadfast. Bishop William Grove of the United Methodist Church makes a statement in his church's 1996 General Assembly in Denver. The world, seeing our alienation, is not interested in our truth. He was talking about the negative power of a broken witness, one that's neither stable nor steadfast. When churches corporately and church people individually are prejudiced, greedy, insensitive to those in need, arrogant, unconcerned about worship, unwilling to evangelize, poor stewards of human, material or natural resources, the world is not likely to be won over. Only when they look at us and see Jesus, only when they encounter us and experience his love, is there hope that some of the 160 million unchurched folks in the United States of America and a similar proportion in New Zealand will come home to the community of Christ's people. We continue with Trust and Obey. One night... At a Dwight L. Moody evangelistic meeting in Brockton, Massachusetts, a young man just stood up to testify about his confidence of salvation. He said, I'm not quite sure, 
meaning he wasn't really certain that God would save him from his sins. And then he continued, but I'm going to trust and I'm going to obey, meaning that he planned to trust God for his salvation and to do what he could to obey God's will. I'm going to trust and I'm going to obey. Daniel Towner was a song leader for that meeting. He was so impressed by the young man's testimony that he wrote down those words and stuck them in his pocket. Later he wrote to a friend, John Samus. In his letter he told about the young man's testimony, including the young man's words. I'm not quite sure, but I'm going to trust and I'm going to obey. Samus quickly transformed those words into a hymn chorus, Trust and Obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Soon he had five stanzas to go with a chorus and sent them to Towner who composed a tune that we still sing today. Trust and Obey.
This is Peter and Tricia thanking you for joining us for Great News and God's Views today on Free FM 89.0 Independent Community Media. 89.0 is live streamed from freefm.org.nz or tune in and now on Amazon Echo devices using the Free FM 89 Alexa skill. We would love to hear your comments on this show. We can be contacted by email at greatnews376 at gmail.com. That is greatnews376 at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you. Our closing music today, He's Got Everything Under Control by Eddie Smith, sung by Pensacola Christian College Choir. Jonah had a whale of a problem when he turned that revival down. He turned it down. God tracked him down and boxed him in because he wouldn't go to that town. Imagine that. When he tells you to do what he wants you to, don't think you can let it roll. Because the God who made this universe has everything under control. Thanks for listening to this Free FM podcast. If you want to hear more content like this, you can support Free FM via Patreon. Head to patreon.com/freefm89 to find out more.